Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I've talked to other Montans about this and they get a little sensitive about it, but it's true. Like here, I'm sure everybody has a dream in Vegas. Yeah. Right? Like they're working towards something. They got a side hustle. They want to be somebody. Dallas was the same way. Florida, Miami for sure everybody's working towards something right in montana it's um like how i grew up it's just kind of unreasonable to have dreams really wherever you guys are watching this show i would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe it helps a lot with the algorithm it helps us get bigger and better guests and it helps us grow the team truly means a lot thank you guys for supporting and here's the episode Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Montana, we got Bradley Lewis Foster today. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. Thanks. You're the first person I've met from Montana, I think. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a big state, but not a lot of people, right? Yeah, it's uh, bigger than Germany, okay. but just a little over a million people now. Nice. So it's just a lot of animals and mountains and if you yeah. like nature. There's probably more animals than people there. Yeah, certainly. How uh, long uh you've been there your whole life? Uh, no, so I lived there for 25 years, but I moved all over for my career. So I think I moved like, I don't know, 15 times in 20 years. Jeez. So I lived all over. So Portland, Seattle, Dallas, lived in Seattle three different times. Okay. So now I live in Fort Lauderdale though. Nice. So, so what's been your favorite <laughs> place to live in the country? Um, it's hard not to say Montana because that's always home to me and it's the most beautiful place. Okay. Um, but I do love living in Fort Lauderdale. I hear good <laughs> things about nice. Florida, man. It's great. It's much. It's it's very relaxing. It's it's much more, uh, like consistent. Yeah. Than any other place I've lived. So it's nice, and people are happy there. I noticed that too. Yeah. I think it's the weather. People, it's hard That's to a, be upset. Yeah, absolutely. And like I lived in Dallas for two years too. Yeah. And I noticed immediately like everybody's happier there than a lot of the other places I lived on the West Coast because mm-hmm. it's sunny out. And yeah. So everybody's just like friendlier and everything. It's that nice. makes sense. Yeah. Now you've got an interesting background. You've worked at some of the biggest companies in the world, but you also consult for small businesses. So walk me through that that first big job you landed. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting story. So I graduated from Montana State University. Uh, that was back in 07. Mm-hmm. And so that was right before the economy crashed. So, um, you know, I, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I had no network. And so... I'd taken this course that really made me kind of fall in love with advertising. So I made it my goal. I was like, I'm going to go work for a big ad agency. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I'm in the middle of nowhere. So how am I going to do that? So I just moved out to Portland where my sister lived. And she was nice enough to let me stay with her and her husband for three months. And so I'd go to these interviews and I couldn't get anything. Hmm. Like I had no experience. Like I didn't know anybody. I had no connections. So I couldn't land anything. So after three months, I had to give it up. Wow. And in the meantime, um, I'd just been leveraging every connection I ever had. So it was like friends of friends of friends. And so, you know, you put enough, you know, out there, eventually something can come back your way. Right. And so I ended up getting a job at Disney. But in the meantime, I'd moved back to Montana. I was living on my friend's couch. Mm-hmm. I lived with my parents for, I think, like three days before that. They kicked you out? No, I'd... I'd was so determined that I was like, I'm going to go 
like on my friend's couch and we're going to start a business. Yeah. He was a graphic designer and we were like, we're going to start our own firm. Like, who would hire us? But we had this, you know, big ambition and he's super talented. He's got a shop in LA. Like he's one of the best I've ever worked with. And I've worked with some amazing graphic designers mm -hmm. and he's still one of the best I've ever worked with, Corey Grabo. Um, and so, but then I got the call from Disney. And uh, so I moved out to Seattle and um, got really lucky. But the funny thing is, is that um, the way that I got the job is, it was my one of my best friends, who's a farmer, big farmer. Mm -hmm. uh, his aunt's accountant's daughter, wow, worked for Disney. His aunt's accountant's <laughs> daughter—that's a yeah. lot of layers. That's and like I, four layers. Yes, of life. and I hadn't met any of them other than my friend, right? Wow. So but that's what I mean when I would just—I refuse to give up. And like everybody's telling me, like, "Oh, just go work at a restaurant, go work at Foot Locker, whatever," yeah, yeah. just so you can have a job. And I was like, "No," because the time that I would spend going and working at that kind of a job is time I'm not applying to other jobs that is like working towards my dream mm. and time not talking to the people who can help me. And so I just refuse to give up. And so that's why even though I was on my parents' couch or not their couch, but I was at my parents' house for a couple of days, it was only a couple of days because I was talking to my friend saying, what can we do? Yeah. And so I was happy to live on his couch and start what you, something. What an interesting perspective because most parents would advise their kids to work their way up, start off like a cashier or whatever at a grocery store. Shout out to today's sponsor, Factor. Factor's got delicious, ready to eat meals that make eating better every single day. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals. Guys, they got over 35 different options a week, so you can definitely find something you like. They got vegan, they got keto, they got veggie, they got a lot of meat, whatever you guys are in the mood for. They got two minute meals, fuel up fast, they're restaurant quality. All you gotta do is heat them up. You don't gotta do anything else, no cooking, none of that. They also got snacks, smoothies, and more, and they got a wide variety of easy options for the day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. They've done the math, guys. This is actually less expensive than takeout, and all their meals, like I said earlier, are dietitian approved, so they're nutritious and delicious. It's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast meals. It's flexible for your schedule. You could choose between six to 18 meals per week, no prep, guys. Definitely check it out. Factormeals.com slash DSH50 for 50% off your order. That's a big discount, guys. Factormeals.com slash DSH50. Check them out. Yeah, I think um, Montana's kind of unique. Um, a lot of parents would want their kids to have security, so they want to have their bills paid, and they want to have, you know, make sure that their kid has something. Yeah. Um, but Montana, it's an interesting place because it's unlike anywhere I've ever lived that it's not common where people have dreams there. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to other Montanans about this and they get a little sensitive about it, but it's true. Like here, I'm sure everybody has a dream in Vegas. Yeah. Right? Like they're working towards something. They got a side hustle. They want to be somebody. Dallas was the same way. Florida, Miami for sure. Everybody's working towards something. Right. In Montana, it's um, like how I grew up. It's just kind of unreasonable to have dreams. Really? Yeah, because – Life is simple out there, you know. Huh. Um, we don't have, like, what job could I have got in marketing? <laughs> like, what company would <laughs> yeah, I have worked true. for out there? You guys are just living off the lay of the land out there. Pretty much, yeah. Like, that's how I grew up. Like, yeah. for me, um, I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. We didn't wow. have stoplights. Uh, really? Know, yeah. So how do you drive? Oh, I've been driving since, you know, I was, I don't know, like 12, <laughs> 13. <laughs> like, you drive from an early age. Like, we have uh, probably one of the youngest uh 
driving ages in the country because like farmers like their kids need to be able to start driving so they can help right but they're driving before they're legal anyway wow so that's cool man i didn't drive yeah. till like 17. Oh, okay yeah. yeah i think i officially had my license whenever it was legal like 14 or 15 or whatever but we i mean you just nice. drive since so it's just a simpler life people just yeah do you think it's because people don't know what's out there or they're just happy with what they have it's probably a combo of, combo of those two things like um you know like i've for us it's just normal like i've been hunting and fishing my whole life um so like it's funny because like when i meet people especially in florida a lot of people think montana's in canada <laughs> i talk to people in florida like oh wow. is that in the u.s I'm like yeah it's in the u.s so that's, that's why when you say i'm the first person you met from montana it's like i yeah i'm not surprised yeah because you said there's only a million there right yeah some cities have more now. than that yeah our biggest city is probably only one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Wow. but that was a huge city to me what was it called billings i think i've heard of that actually yeah yeah, yeah i've shipped some stuff there Nice. When I used to do e-commerce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, for us, there's it's just kind of a, uh, it's kind of still a frontier. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's great, though, because that, like, that experience growing up like that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, a lot of the reason I'm successful is because of that upbringing. Those humble beginnings, right? Yeah, and yeah. It, it teaches you to read people. It teaches you to have perspective on what's important in life and what mm -hmm. isn't. And so, like, any time I've had difficulty in my life, um, like those principles and lessons I learned growing up there, that's what got me through it. And that's yeah. what helped keep me focused. Like I played a lot of sports growing up, um, was up in the wilderness with my dad a lot, you know, mm -hmm. since I was 12, I was out there hunting in the middle of nowhere. That's like, cool. Sometimes me and my dad would be up in the mountains. There's probably nobody for five, 10 miles. Dang. You must've seen some wild stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Some big bears. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got uh, black bears, grizzly bears, mountain lions. Wow. Um, been stalked by mountain lions before. What's that like? You can literally see them like stalking you? <laughs> you can hear them. That's scary, yeah, man. Yeah. They make these whistles. Oh my gosh. To each other. They're communicating to each other. And did you have to take it head on or did you just run away? Uh, no, you just, I mean, with any predator, you just keep calm. Uh, you never turn your back. You never run. Really? Um, yeah. So Dude, I'd be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, but it's like one of those things, like if you grow up around that stuff, like, you know how to handle yourself. Like, so for me, now that I'm living on the coast, yeah. like the ocean is new to me as far as like a lifestyle. Right. I've always visited. Um, but for people who've grown up on the beach, they're used to, they're it, used yeah. to all these different things. We'll hop in it's there. new to me. So it's just like your condition to things. So yeah. uh, that's just a way of life out there, but it makes you really humble. And like when people are like complaining about life, I'm like, this is nothing. <laughs> like, my parents came for Christmas to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale, it was 80. Are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? We'll click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below, and here's the episode, guys. In Montana, where they just came from, it was negative 60. Jeez, it's that cold there? It can be, yeah. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah, so like uh, when I say like that stuff really helped me in my life, I mean it because it teaches you like what's a real problem. Yeah, wow. So Montana to Disney, that's you must have been one of the first to pull that off. What was Disney like? Yeah, uh, Disney was great for the most part. Um, I mean, what a break. It, it changed my life, changed my career. I couldn't be more grateful mm -hmm. because it completely changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. So it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, super cool experience. I got to work on some of the you know biggest brands in the world. I got to work on ABC.com, ABCnews.com. Mm -hmm. So you were marketing for them? Yeah, I was doing ads. That's where I learned digital advertising. Mm. And so I was on the publisher side. Um, I even got to work for the Oscars. Wow. So I would do like um, 
uh, ad campaigns on Oscars night, which was just, or Oscar night. That was just crazy. Yeah, I bet. People were probably lining <laughs> up to spend yeah, we, money. We had a lot of advertisers. And that was when uh, digital ads, um, like on streaming video, was new. Yeah. So, like, I remember Diet Coke was a big advertiser at the time. So, it was just, like, Diet Coke ads everywhere. If you watched <laughs> the Oscars streaming yeah. on that site, those are the ads that I was working on, making sure those fired correctly and we are hitting mm. our contracts and, you know, no QA problems and all that. So nice. That was really cool. We got to work on some really cool stuff there. Did that for a couple of years and then... Uh, my friend um, at Disney, she moved over to this digital ad agency called Razorfish, which mm-hmm. was owned by Microsoft and then later bought by Publicis, which is like one of the biggest holding companies, yeah. ad agencies. So she got me to go over there. And that was also like so critical to my career because that's where I learned analytics. Mm. And so that's where I became like really, really good at digital analytics and optimization and all that, like nice. the behind the scenes stuff of marketing that... It's basically, it's kind of like the science of marketing. Yeah. A lot and of so, people don't even look at their analytics. No, no. And so uh, that was a super difficult job because it was just analytics. I just lived and breathed in mm-hmm. Excel all day, every day, <laughs> you know, yeah. my whole so, time there. So what were you looking for in terms of the analytics, like certain KPIs and numbers? Exactly. Yeah. So you it depended on um, the campaign. So like I worked on Internet Explorer. Mm-hmm. Back when Internet Explorer. Yeah, I used to use it. Yeah, everybody did. We had had 75% market share back then. Dang. And we would laugh about Chrome. You would laugh about Chrome? Absolutely. Now they're the biggest, They were nobody. Yeah, now everybody uses Chrome. But back then, everybody's using Internet Explorer. So, you know, that was a big part of the analytics is we'd look at, like, market share amongst ourselves and the competitors. Mm. And so, uh, like, we were just, I mean, it was easy. Yeah. And so we would do these campaigns, um, whether it was... Uh, IE8 or Internet Explorer 9, which I was part of that launch. Um, And so we would do these uh, DR campaigns, direct result, where it was just trying to get people to download. So Mm -hmm. we'd target consumers like you and me, or we'd target devs saying like, hey, build your stuff on our platform. Um, And then for IE9, that was like a big launch. But um, like one time there was like a security issue in Europe. So then we had to launch this engagement campaign saying, IE9 is safe or IE8, mm. it's safe. Um, PR. So, so, yeah, that's engagement. So that was um, kind of a one-off for us. But, um, you know, sometimes you're just trying to get people to download. Other times you're trying to create, like you said, uh, more of like an appearance, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, brand perception, things like that. What caused Internet Explorer to fail? Um, that's a that's a good question. I, I wonder about that myself. I, I have to be careful what I say about <laughs> some of the companies I worked for right, right. Or, or brands I worked on. Um, I tend to think it's a cultural issue at Microsoft, and there's going to be some people at Microsoft who are probably going to be like, eh, that's not what it was. <laughs> They're going to comment um, on this one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't think I want to say too much about why yeah, I, I get think that. it failed. Yeah, I get that. Um, well, it's, um, yeah, I probably should should just yeah. say I went from, it had a good run. <laughs> had a great run. I went from IE to Firefox. That was hot yep. for a bit, and then I went to Chrome. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, and yep. now I have to use Safari because of the iPhone, but I like I like mm-hmm. Chrome the best, I'd say. Yeah, me too. I use that the most. I still use Firefox. Um, like I like to have a bunch of browsers open because I do like different testing in there, and I have yeah. different uh, – for like my different clients, I like to have like one client's dedicated to this browser, so like I have all the logins there, you know, yeah. so I have to kind of split them up a little bit. But. Yeah. So how do those companies make money? Is it all off the search? Um, so once, once you have people using your browser, I mean, uh, you become kind of the default and what Microsoft started doing is they figured out that, um, they could 
they could leverage one product off of the other. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, um, like let's say you're using uh, IE7 and everything's going great. And that actually became kind of an issue because um, think of all the like government or large companies who are using Internet Explorer mm-hmm. who you know, uh, don't want to update their programs when the browser needs to update. Right. And so um, one thing that Microsoft is very good at doing is, like I said, leveraging one product off the other. So let's say that a new version of Windows comes out and maybe you have to get the new version of Windows in order for your browser to start working properly again. Mm-hmm. Like if your browser stops functioning, like, oh, you need to update the only way to do that is if you get the new Windows. So you right. can use it to sell other products. Got it. So kind of like a top of funnel. Yeah, it's it's almost um, some, of, some of these companies are really, really smart at picking and choosing which products they want to be their loss leader. Mm-hmm. And so um, like even in the video space, like YouTube was losing tons of money. Really? Yeah, because oh, when, when it first came out, yeah, because how was it making money? It didn't even have ads. Right. So for every user that they got, they were losing money. Wow. Because they had to have all the storage space. The bandwidth, yeah. The bandwidth, exactly. So but so how is that a business? What's the plan? Well, the plan is if you create the number one video platform, somebody's going to buy it. Mm. And they did, and they made a ton of money. Oh, someone bought YouTube? Yeah, at Google. Oh, I thought they started it. Okay. Mm-mm. So some other guy started it. Mm-hmm. And they made a ton of money. Oh, I bet. Yeah, just like wow. Instagram. Oh, yeah. They could have sold for more, though. Yeah, in the end. That was a steal, I think. A billion yeah. dollars for that. Yeah, but Zuckerberg, I mean, that's... Uh, what a great product that is now for them. But I mean, at the time, again, that's another platform that was probably losing money, but they knew that if we build the number one platform, somebody would buy us out and that's what happened. Yeah. I think in order to get those huge exits, you have to be willing to lose for years. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that, not even the mindset, just the resourcefulness in terms of capital to do that. Exactly. Yeah. A a big part of it is your investors. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have to be very patient. Oh yeah, I don't <laughs> and buy I don't, into the plan. I actually don't take investments anymore because of that issue. Yeah, I don't want to deal with customer service. Exactly, and then then they want to have control over yeah. your product too, which yeah. is an issue. That's the game you play when you raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, so after IE, is that when you started doing the more entrepreneurship, small business route? Yeah, what's interesting is um, I've always been a musician, and I eventually became a writer too. And so those were like my biggest passions. So I was always joking with my friends. I was always reluctantly successful mm-hmm. because marketing was always like something I had to do. But I was always so much more focused on music. That mm. was like my number one passion. So okay. uh, like on weekends at nights, like all I did is work on my music. And so um, that's what I wanted to be. And so that, like, that was my entrepreneurial side is that I started this company and um, used it initially just for um, uh, like publishing music and books, like a record label and uh, music publisher, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that was all the company was there for. It's not like it was making tons of money, but that was like how I started kind of doing things on my own. And I would run ad campaigns on my own, which was really helpful because now I'm in the seat of a business owner. Right going through the struggles they're going through with taxes and forms and all that stuff that I'd never had to deal with in my life. Yeah. And so uh, that was really, really interesting for me. And that developed within me a really large passion for small business owners because I know the struggles that they go through. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I did tech for 15 years. Um, You know, I worked for Amazon and like that was my big career goal is to get in their doors, which I worked seven years to get in there. Dang. Yeah. How high up were you there? 
Um, I was a like a marketing manager over okay. there, and so I, know I have like nine levels or something crazy. Yeah, I was a five over there. Nice. And so um, I should have been a six, and that's a whole <laughs> other story because I I could go on for hours about uh, the culture at Amazon. Yeah. Um, but that was a dream come true, and it's it was the smartest people I've ever worked with, um, the hardest working people, um, great place. But after I did that, um, I started to feel like I'd defeated the video game that I was playing. And so I did big tech for 15 years and I was like, do I just continue? You were bored? Yeah, it's kind of like, do I just go work for, like who's who's left that I yeah. didn't work, like Apple? <laughs> like, is that the last one? I was yeah. like, no, instead of doing that, um, I was like, I think it's time for me to do, because I'd had this idea for years. I was like, I think it's time for me to branch out right. and run my own marketing company, which is what I'm doing now. And yeah. so basically what I do now is I take all the science and philosophy and methodologies that are used by the best brands in the world and I help smaller businesses use them. Right. And so um, that is much more rewarding. Like if you help a small business who maybe makes, you know, five million a year, 10 million a year, and you help them make 20 million a year, mm -hmm. like that is so much more rewarding than making 100 million for Amazon. Right. Or 100 million for AT&T. Yeah, because you have a way bigger impact. Yeah, because that person's dream just came true. Yeah. And so that's much more fulfilling. Um, like my mom, she was a teacher for 28 years. Mm -hmm. For her, what a fulfilling job. You know, she yeah. watches these people grow and she helps, you know, prepare them for the real world. Yeah. And that's a very fulfilling job. But for me, like working for those big companies, it was really cool and really helpful. But it wasn't the most fulfilling thing in the world. In fact, it was, if anything, it was kind of crushing in a right. lot of ways because you deal with a lot of fools, <laughs> you deal with a lot of bureaucracy. A lot of politics. A lot of politics. Yeah, yeah a lot of BS. And so, um, you know, it, it has some fulfillment in it for sure. But the advice I would give to people is like, because this is something I didn't do until I was in my 30s, that I didn't have a plan at all. Mm -hmm. I had no plan. I was just, oh, that's a good opportunity. I was being opportunistic. And so I was just jump. That's why I moved so many times because I would jump from one job to the next, right. good opportunity, a promotion, whatever. But I had no plan. I didn't think like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to create my own business someday? If I do, then how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. So I had this mindset early on in my career that I'm just getting through this or you know, I want to you know, get paid more. Or I want to get a promotion or whatever. Instead of thinking... Once I'm in these doors, what can I learn that's going to help me down the road? Right. When I do, like if I if I would have known or would have thought that I could start my own business, then I would have thought a little differently at each of those jobs. And I would have thought, what can I learn while I'm here mm. so that I can go back to my laboratory at home, yeah. which everybody should have, go back to my lab, to my whiteboard, and figure out how to do whatever that dream is. Dude, I love that. Cause so many people care about the salary and just focus on that, mm -hmm. but they're not thinking like, what can I learn to apply this in other areas of my life? Exactly. Um, I, one thing that I teach people in the training that I, I do, cause that's another side of my business as well as marketing training, career training, um, is that, you know, you don't have to just start your business right away. Um, there's this pathway that I really like where like, let's say you wanted to start a food truck. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going and buying a food truck and figuring out how that works, what if you for a year went and got a job at a food truck mm. or went and got a job at a restaurant Yeah, and you learned the industry, you learned everything you could learn. Do you think you'd be more or less successful going down that path than if you just buy all the stuff and hope 
it goes well. For sure. And yeah. a lot of people just do that. They just buy Absolutely. everything and then yeah. they realize how hard it is. Yeah. And I've, believe me, you know, I've had my business a long time and it started off more, I guess you could call it hobby, passion, whatever, and now transitioned into this like marketing, consulting and training company. Um, but I had a lot of bumps along the way and hard lessons. Right. And I was taking that other approach that, oh, I'll just do stuff. And then it'll just magically work out. <laughs> But I, everyone, I think, does it just naturally, right? Yeah, yeah, it's instinct. But the truth is, if I would have had that mindset to learn every single thing that I could at a job while I was there, anything that could have helped me get that much closer to my dreams, I'd have been set up much faster. Yeah, and I'd been much more successful. But um, that's just kind of the lessons you have to learn in life. Absolutely. I think. What are some common issues you see with your clients, like in terms of running a business? Um. So probably the number one thing that I see, and it isn't just small businesses. It's um, I saw it at Amazon. I've I've seen it at large companies too. Mm -hmm. People they kind of uh, misunderstand these two fundamental components of every business, and that is the creation of the thing. So what is it that you're going to offer, and then the delivery of that thing to people. Mm. So if you create <clears throat> like an e-commerce business. You will spend so much time picking the perfect products, whether you're white labeling or whatever. Yeah. You're going to pick the right manufacturer. You're going to spend so much time perfecting your product, creating your website. Hopefully, you create a business plan. That's one of the big problems I see is people don't create business plans. Yeah. Um, but people spend so much time working on the creation side. And then when it comes time to hand it to people and say, here you go, this is what I created, what do you think? And uh, do that part, the marketing people put no time into it <laughs> and they certainly put no budget into it. Yeah. They always offer something minimal for marketing. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. Like, like I said, even large corporations, they'll spend millions or hundreds of millions of dollars on this product. Yeah. And then the marketing budget's like nothing. I know it's wild and it, it <laughs> works for Elon Musk, but that's the only person I know that can pull that off. Yeah. There's certain people like, um, you know, that can use like Twitter as a platform or X, um, that they can use social media and just, you know, yeah. in one post. But the product has happen. to be exceptional. Like yeah. it worked for Tesla because it was one of a kind. Yeah. Well, and actually too, like, um, if you think about like threads, yeah, that blew up overnight, right? Yeah. Because they already had the platform, but most people don't have that platform. Right. So, um, the other thing I see people do that's a mistake is, you know, not only are they not putting forth, uh, like a substantial budget to grow their business. And they're not even really doing research on what should their budget be or what right. other people do. Like they just don't really do much research. Yeah, they on just it. make up a number. Yeah, or actually they have no number. <laughs> it's very common. When I'm talking to clients, I go, okay, what's your marketing budget for the year? And they go, well. Uh, <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> That's fun. I used to have a marketing agency. So, so you this know is that. So relatable. Yeah, they go, well. And so then, um, like what I find most business owners, are what I would call opportunistic marketers. Yeah. And so that means that they don't have a plan. They just see things come up that they go, oh, that looks interesting or that looks cool. So the radio right. calls them. They go, hey, we're having a big sale. You want to be on the radio? Oh, big sale, you say. Okay, cool, <laughs> let's do it. Or, or, hey, the magazine is calling, you know, yeah. the local magazine's calling. Big sale. They go, oh, wow, I could be on the back, back page. Wow, yeah. cool. On a big sale? That's great. I'll do that. 
So when I talk to companies, that's what they do. And I, I just like, that's crazy. That's not man. a plan. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, like uh, I was talking to this uh, dermatologist and he's like a high end dermatologist, like very, very well educated. Yeah. Uh, very high end, uh, very, you know, expensive procedures, uh, more in the luxury space. And I was asking what he was doing for his marketing. And he was telling me, oh, the magazines and all the stuff I just said. And then he goes, yeah, and um, I got this really good deal on uh, these recycling bins. Mm. So my face, you know, my company, it's all over recycling bins. Wow. You have your face for a luxury dermatology company <laughs> on garbage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, how, what? In what world would you want that to be associated with yeah, your company bad, and your brand? Yeah, that's a bad look. I see them at grocery stores now, like on the newspapers there. Yeah, and that's another one of those where it's like, hey, it's cheap. <laughs> but in marketing, I mean, especially if you're in an agency, you know, like everything comes down to eyeballs and efficiency. Yeah. So if you buy a billboard, people are spending three seconds, four seconds, maybe one second. So like you're putting your address and all this information on there. Nobody's reading it. No one, it's just yeah. a complete waste of money. Like if, you're, if you can do a billboard, it should hopefully be saying turn now. Like here's the place <laughs> that you're looking for. Yeah. That's it. I don't location. think I've ever bought off a billboard or a magazine. No. Yeah. But no. we're, we're younger. Maybe it worked back in the day. I'm not sure. Uh, print did work better back in the day, especially yeah. newspaper. But times change. TV's changed a lot. Right. Like these mediums change. And if you don't change with it, then you're in big trouble like AI. Like that's the new wave. Yeah. So you have to get on board with that too. Yeah. Are you so, using it right now? Uh, yeah, I am. And I'm doing experiments right now. Um, I have this kind of interesting realization with AI that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I just launched this new website called Miami.news. And it's this aggregator for all the top accounts in Miami, all the major media companies in Miami. Mm. And it was just kind of like a fun idea that I had. So I was yeah. like, that's the URL. It's just Miami.news. So cool. yeah, so it just aggregates every major news story in Miami, puts it all in one place. Um, yeah. Every like uh, food influencer, uh, so it's got dining, sports, uh, events, everything, right? Yeah. Everything happening in Miami. And one thing I realized as I was doing it, because I started experimenting with how can I use AI to automate this whole business so I don't even have to touch it. What I realized is, especially in the marketing space, a lot of people are out because they're worried they're gonna lose their job. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a content creator, um, like a content writer, yeah, it's a big concern. Yeah, all the writers in Hollywood are out right now, mm -hmm. right, the strike. Yep, but what I think it's gonna do in the end is it's going to fast forward the gig economy mm -hmm. that we're already starting to see. And because I'm a big fan of having dreams and having goals, I actually think it's a good thing because it's going to force people to create their own businesses. Wow. And instead of being afraid of AI, which a lot of people are, and I understand it, instead, you should think big, which is one of, it's probably my favorite leadership principle at Amazon, think big. You should think big and think, instead of being afraid of it, what if I used it for my own business? Hmm. Because AI, that's your employees. Yeah. You can automate tasks. You can ask them questions. They can be your researcher. They can be your content creator, whatever it is. Instead of being afraid of it, use it. Yeah. It saved me so much time and money, man. It's literally my assistant. It's helped me with legal. It's helped me research on guests. It's so phenomenal. I love it. But I know certain people are scared about it. Yeah. But I think that's like a, that's thinking small. Yeah. So you should think big. And I think everybody should have their own business. Absolutely. 
Bradley, what are you working on next? Where can people find you, man? So uh, right now I'm working on uh, my fractional chief marketing officer business. So that's where I help clients do marketing like the best companies in the world. Uh, teach them everything that I learned at Amazon and Microsoft and Disney. Um, and so I take on clients and I take over their marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that for small, medium-sized companies. Um, uh, and then I also am doing marketing training. So I just launched a marketing masterclass that's on demand. So people can go um, buy my training program and learn everything that I learned while I was working for all these companies and nice. start to think like how these marketers think. And it's uh, a lot more science than you'd think. I used to joke when I was at Amazon that I was a marketing scientist mm. because I used to have to write these 20-page research papers Jeez. on my marketing strategy. 20 pages. Yeah. And this was before AI. So you actually had to write every oh, yeah. word yourself. It's a big part of your job there, actually. <laughs> yeah, to write. Yeah. Uh, you do. It, and Amazon has a specific writing style. Yeah. And so uh, that's a big part of it. They call it a six pager. Oh, man. That's like the rule there. I have that nightmares be... from essays in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is very technical writing, too. So, um, like, we use the scientific method in marketing a lot. Hmm. And so, you know, when you write one of these research papers, you're using the scientific method, like here's your hypothesis and, you know, here's what you think is going to happen and here's how you're going to pivot depending on the data and all this. So, um, but it's called a six pager Mm. because that's like the rule at Amazon. The paper can't be over six pages, but your appendix can be unlimited. So it's never six pages. So your appendix will just be, you know. That's where you reference everything, right? Yeah. 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 So it's like your your paper starts out 15, 20 pages. And then they go, okay, now you got to cut it down to six. Which means you, you keep all of everything that you wrote and you just push it into the appendix. So it's never a six page. Wow. Paper. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll link Appreciate everything it. in the video. Perfect. Thanks thank for you. watching, guys, as always. And I'll see you tomorrow.